TII item 356, July 22nd, 2015, Apple Q2 15 report and iOS 9 beta 4. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. To start your free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Stacy for sending in the music here in the background. Stacy wrote, Hi, Rob, created this song called Refractive Cleansing with the app Korg Gadget, and the track was mastered with AudioShare using the inter-app Audio Apps AUFX Peak EQ and AUFX Push generic subtitle preset. This is from my album, Orbiting Mood Swings, where all the songs were created on an iOS device. You can find my music by searching for Spectral Sevenths, two words in Spotify. Regards, Stacy P. Well, thank you, Stacy, for the music. And folks, I'll put the full song at the end of this episode. I also want to thank Abdel for sending in the artwork for today's show. Abdel wrote, Hi, Rob. I created this artwork for the show on my iPhone 5S. I used the following apps to create the image right after I took a screenshot of my home screen. First was Awesome Screenshot for Safari by Dijo to blur out the screenshot completely. Next, Screenshot Maker Pro by Tagahaki Hatano to add the iPhone frame and background. Then Photo Lettering by Brand Design Co to square out the image and add the text. Best regards, Abdiel Oritz. Well, thanks Abdel for sending in the artwork. For And folks, you can find Abdel's artwork in the free TII app via the bonus button for episode 356 or at instagram.com slash today in iOS and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash today in iOS. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on iOS device, that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, any tablet computer, including Apple's eagerly anticipated iPad, will face serious problems in generating big sales. Tablets look cool, but the reality is they don't do anything new. Unquote. Michael Kamau, Manivelle, 5th of March, 2010. I guess big is a matter of perspective. Apple sells four plus million Macs a quarter. They sell more than double that for iPads and a bad quarter. Is that big? Is 275 million iPads sold in the first five years considered big? Just ask him. For promo codes on episode 355, we offer up chances to win promo codes for the app Launch Code Shortcut with Notification Center. We will be giving out those promo codes later this week. For more info on this app, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 355. Sadly, no new promo codes this week. Bad app or iBook marketers are you if you have a paid app and or iBook and did not send in promo codes. So a quick reminder, if you're an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free 
We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or the author up front. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Last week, Google released numbers that were actually higher than expectations. Yawn, you say. Well, that's normal for Apple. I mean, Apple almost always does that. What's the big deal? But see, with Google, that was the first time Google beat estimates since 2013. So what did that do to Google's stock? Well, it shot it up 15% in one day, with the biggest one-day gain ever with regards to market cap, with a market cap jump of $65 billion with a B, beating the old record previously held by, you guessed it, Apple, when it saw its stock jump $46.4 billion in a single day back in April 2012. So will Apple stock jump like Google's? If Apple exceeds earnings, no, definitely not. As I said, Apple beating estimates is not news. It is expected. Yes, I know, it sounds funny to say it's expected for Apple to exceed expectations. It is definitely not expected for them to meet or fall short of expectations. That is the only way for Apple to really move the stock, and that's not the movement you want to see, unless you're sitting on a cash hoard waiting to, for Apple to drop so that you can jump in and buy a bunch. So how did Apple do last quarter? And just for clarification's sake here, remember Apple's third quarter happens in the second quarter of the year. They're off by one quarter always. Okay, Apple's press release for this quarterly report was titled Apple Reports Record Third Quarter Results, which is true, and it is good results, but in some ways lower than expected in one key area. We'll get into that in a bit. But first, some of the big numbers. The record was in revenue for the quarter, $49.6 billion versus $32.5 billion in the year-go quarter and $58 billion in the last quarter. Overall, Apple now has $202.8 billion in cash on hand. $202.8 billion in cash. Wow. That's up $9.3 billion for the quarter. Revenue was up 33% year-over-year. Earnings per share is up 45% year-over-year. And it's now at $1.85 per share. So very good big numbers. Hi, Rob. Uh, This is Jonathan from New Orleans. I'm calling kind of in response to what you said leading up to the quarterly conference call coming up that Apple's doing in regards to Apple Watch numbers. And I don't expect that we'll hear about them now, but I, I would think that maybe after a year, after the Apple Watch has gone through a Christmas and Black Friday sales bump, once they've been selling for a year, that maybe Apple will finally tell us how many millions they've sold. And the other thing that incidentally I am mentioning, because I just noticed it before I called you, was that in iOS 9, when you have your phone connected to Bluetooth, and then you make a phone call, and I don't know if this is a feature that will stay, but as soon as I I hit call, a little dialogue box came up that gave me an option for what audio source to choose, the Bluetooth speaker, the phone speaker, or the, the iPhone, the headset speaker. 
So that, I thought that was really cool, and uh, I hope that stays. Bye. Jonathan, thanks for that feedback. So let's talk a little bit about Apple Watch sales. With 27 analysts weighing in on Apple Watch sales prior to the announcement, they came to an average of 4.07 million units sold last quarter, with Turley Mueller with Financial Alchemist guessing at 2.85 million units for the lowest guess, and Sandeep Chakar with Jeffries with a guess of 5.7 million units for the high side. And the actual revealed number is... And this would be where I would play crickets chirping. As Apple is not going to say, period. They said multiple times on the call that last September, they said Apple Watch would be lumped in with other product category, which also includes Apple TV, the iPods now, and Apple branded and third-party accessories. They will not. They cannot. They shall not break out Apple Watch stats. It would be wrong to do so because back in September they said they would not. So there, in your face, Uncle Gene Munster, we ain't answering your question. Or something pretty close to that is kind of how the Apple Q&A went. Really, it really did. What they did say about the other products category is that year over year, there was an increase from $1.767 billion to $2.641 billion dollars and that Apple Watch sales were greater than that increase. So all we know is Apple Watch sales are greater than $874 million. If you assume an ASP for Apple Watch at around $430, that means there was at least 2 million Apple Watches sold. If Apple Watch revenue was 50% of the other category, then Apple Watch sales were about 3 million units. The actual number is most likely somewhere in between, which means less than 2.85 million units. That was the lowest guess. Or put another way, Apple Watch sales were worse than what everyone was predicting. Tim Cook did say that Apple Watch sales were higher in the month of June than they were in the months of April or May, which goes counter to what Slice was saying that we mentioned on previous episodes. It is possible Apple was not counting sales, quote-unquote, of devices as a sale until they actually shipped the unit to the customer. There was no follow-up from analysts on that point. Would have been nice for someone to ask. One thing on Monday that struck me about why Apple is likely not reporting numbers. Now, this is something that I typed in here before the whole uh, announcement on Tuesday. So this is about Monday and a little true story for me. I went to local Walgreens to buy my allergy medicine, my 24-pack of Walzier D, which is behind the counter, and I have to show my driver's license to prove I am not Walter White, wannabe. When I paid with my Apple Watch, the woman working the register said that was cool. She had seen lots of people pay with the iPhone, but that was the first time she saw someone use the Apple Watch. The first time, and it was July 20th. That is 88 days since the launch of the Apple Watch, and that was the first Apple Watch that she saw where someone paid for something. That's not good. When you consider I live in a more affluent part of town in the more affluent town in the Kansas City metro area. So if she is not seeing it, then it's likely not happening much, if at all, at other stores locally, and that does not bode well for current Apple Watch sales. Now let's get into iPhone sales. Last episode, we talked about what the analysts were guessing collectively. 
it would be a, an average of 49.42 million units sold. And the actual number was 47.534 million iPhones sold the last quarter, which was about 2 million below what the analysts were predicting on average. Being below Wall Street estimates is not a good thing. Expect some blood in the streets for Apple stock over this, which looking at after hour trading within an hour of the news, less than an hour of the news, Apple stock was down at one point over 10%. With that perspective, that is over $75 billion in market cap loss or theoretical loss in just a few minutes. It did bounce back a little later on um, somewhat and was down just 7% or simply $52 billion in market cap reduction. Will be interesting to see how it actually does once the market opens up on Wednesday. Per how the individual analyst did, Patrick Smiley, or Smiley, with Brayburn Group was closest to the hole with a guess of 47.52 million iPhones sold. Kudos, Patrick. Apple did say there was a reduction in channel inventory of 600,000 units. So really, the iPhone sales to customers were tad higher, or the sell-through was tad higher at 48 million units, or a little above 48 million units for the, the quarter. And they did say the 35% year-over-year growth for iPhone sales is about triple the industry number for smartphone sales growth last quarter. So that's good news. But overall, since Wall Street was expecting 50 to 52 million and Apple came in at less than 48 or at 48 million, Wall Street didn't like that. Switching over to iPads, the guesses from the analysts for iPad sales are 7.5 million units on the low side from Lee Storch with the Brayburn Group to a high of 13 million units from Patrick Smiley uh, of the Brayburn Group and Andy Erkowitz of Oppenheimer. The average estimate was 10.71 million units for the last quarter, and the one closest to the hole was name and affiliation withheld by request. Who nailed it? Nice name. Uh, with exactly 10.9 million units being what was actually sold. That was just a tad better than the analyst average, so no bad news on the iPad front, pretty much what the analysts were expecting. Apple did also mention channel inventory decreased by 300,000 units, so iPad sales or sales through to customers was really 11.2 million units. And in the US, Apple had 76% share of tablet sales for units that are $200 or more. Go back and talk about Apple Watch for a second. Future Apple Watch sales are going to be greatly impacted, not by analyst predictions or talking points or reviews, but rather by word of mouth. And right now, the mouths of current Apple Watch owners seem to have a smile on them when they talk about their Apple Watches, that is. One recent customer survey found the rates of satisfaction at 97% among Apple Watch users, which is higher than both the initial iPhone satisfaction numbers at 92% back in 2007 and the original iPad at 91% back in 2010. These extremely high user satisfaction data for the Apple Watch definitely bodes well for future growth of the Apple Watch, as nothing trumps word-of-mouth marketing for growing a product line. Per the 97%, 66% of it was people very satisfied, and 31% of it was people somewhat satisfied. Additionally, it seems the least technical you were, the more satisfied you were. 
it looks like teachers, firefighters, insurance agents, and those not in the tech industry and not hardcore techies, these were the groups of people that couldn't stop raving about the Apple Watch. When you can get the non-technical people doing word-of-mouth marketing, that's when the product will take off. At least initial reports seem to indicate very high user satisfaction. Less technical you are, the more likely you are to be very satisfied and to be talking about it, which means better word-of-mouth marketing when it's coming from non-technical people. As mentioned earlier, this episode is brought to you by Linda, the online learning platform with over 3,300 on-demand courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. Linda is for problem solvers, the curious, for people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel, learn negotiation tactics, build a website, or boost your Photoshop skills. Go to lynda.com slash TII and feed your curious mind. Some of the courses I think you will benefit from are Guy Kawasaki on entrepreneurship. Just, just went live on 720. It's a nice, short 15-minute interview slash course. There's Marketing Tips with Justin Seeley and Brad Batesel. Uh, that is over six hours long, that course, and it's it was updated on July 14th. And there's Mobile for Business, setting up your iPad and iPhone with Nick Brazi. With Linda membership, you can download tutorials and watch them on the go, including access on your iOS device, stream over 3,300 video courses on demand, and learn on your own schedule. Take notes as you go and refer to them later. Create and save playlists of courses you want to watch or to share with friends or colleagues. Your Linda membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, I want you to visit lynda.com slash TII and sign up for your free 10-day trial. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring the show. Hi, Rob. Jonathan from New Orleans again. I'm calling to try to help the gentleman who's asking about turning on iCloud uh, Music Library and whether or not that would screw up the metadata on his music. When it first rolled out, there was a problem with that. But from what I understand, iTunes 12.2.1, which has now been rolled out, fixes those problems. If he updates his iTunes to the latest version and then turns on iCloud Music Library from the computer, I can say with some confidence that his music should not get screwed up. And as long as you don't delete the music that is locally stored on the computer, everything should stay as you've had it. So once you delete it and re-download it, that's when Apple replaces it with their own. I hope that helps the caller and anyone else concerned about this. Bye. Thanks, Jonathan, for the feedback. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob, from episode 354 of the app. I use for making slideshow is free. It's called iMovie on my MacBook Pro. The newest version is really easy to use and there are loads of tutorials on YouTube or lynda.com. I made a slideshow for my dad's 80th birthday and you can use a mix of photos and videos and even detach audio from videos that you have to use for the background. You can make it loop automatically. Regards, Karen. Hi Rob, this is a response to the other listener in episode 355 wanted to print directly from an iOS device, but also wanted to be able to do things like resize what they were printing and all the other functionality that you get using a computer. 
I purchased a $7 app called Printer Pro by a developer called Readle that does everything I can think of wanting to do when I decide to print something on my iPhone or iPad. You can add an option to print with the app from the box with the arrow out, the share box. The point is, it's a $7 app, which for some people I know they think that's a lot for an app, but considering how often and how long I've been using it, the cost eventually amortized out, at least for me. I think there's a free version so people could try it out, but I don't think it has nearly as many useful features. It might still have the resize feature, though. Regards, Michelle. Well, thanks, Michelle. Hi, Rob. Guess I am the only one that likes the betas. Thought I'd uh, say something positive. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to test these things out early and be able to know that my voice is heard if there's any bugs. Regards, Shauna. Hi, Rob. I would like to send out a warning to people considering downloading the public beta of iOS 9. I downloaded from my iPod Touch 5th Gen and my iPod Air 1st Gen Wi-Fi model to see if it was stable enough for my iPhone 6. I had noticed a few bugs, but for the most part, it was fairly stable, so I decided it was safe for my iPhone. After a few days of no issues, my iPhone's cellular data stopped working. I had to restore my phone back to iOS 8.4. Just a warning for anybody considering updating. Regards, Chris, in Chickasa, Oklahoma. Chris, thanks for the feedback. And again, folks, if you're going to do the beta, understand betas are betas, which means they're not perfect and they're not released. They're not gold masters. All these betas are going to have some bugs in it. You just have to understand that when you're doing the testing for the betas. It's about trying to help Apple find those bugs. Rob, this is Justin from Pennsylvania. I'm calling, basically, iTunes Match allows you to match your music across multiple devices DRM-free. Where people ran into a problem with this is when they deleted their stuff and just counted, just trusted iTunes Match. And then they didn't actually have a backup of all these files that they got this DRM-free music for. Then when they buy iTunes Music Library, they got replaced with DRM Music and it was a big, you know, big problem. But I mean, it's understandable how it happened. However, as long as you have physical versions of your files on your computer, iTunes Music Library does not replace those. This allows those to be shared over other computers. Basically, DRM is not being added. And as far as I know, they should not be changing the tags, although I don't think those tags would go across devices. But I don't know for sure because I don't. I've never tagged my own music. It should not replace the tags in your files that you have on your computer. You shouldn't touch them, really. It should only allow you to listen to that music streamable, DRM streamable, on your other devices. Unless you have iTunes match with the physical files, then you have DM free streamable across those devices. That's the only reason to keep iTunes match is if the DRM thing is important to you. Thank you very much, Rob. Have a great day. I love the show. Thanks. Bye. Justin, thanks for your feedback. We are now well over 2,000 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. A new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came from Mark Page, who posted the following question. Quote, what happens at the end of the Apple Music free trial to the music on the iCloud library? Will the iCloud music library not be available to those who don't subscribe and will they have to use iTunes Sync? Unquote. In a nutshell, any music you download via Apple Music for playback offline will be protected by DRM, Digital Rights Management. That means if you cancel, then the DRM is kicked in and your music that you've downloaded via the Apple Music trial or even during a paid period 
is no longer available when you cancel or choose not to renew your subscription. It's like with Netflix and Hulu Plus. You only get access to the content, and in this case the music from Apple Music, when you are in the trial or paid period. But once you are in neither, then anything downloaded via Apple Music is not available. Now, if you do purchase an album outright and pay however much that album is, then that would still be available to you. But anything via Apple Pay or Apple Music, where it's part of the subscription, you don't pay for specifically, that goes away due to DRM. Since the last episode, there were also dozens and dozens of other new posts in the TI Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it's the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 2,000 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Also from the Google Plus community was this post from Fred Gortzen, who wrote, My recent calls are appearing on another iPhone. About 10 days ago, all my calls started appearing on my wife's iPhone recent call history. I am not alone. There are hundreds of posts on this topic on the Apple support community starting in March 2015 with no resolution. A further bug that I haven't seen mentioned uh, here is uh, the current period call time shows one day, two hours, last reset July 28, 2015. When I add up the individual calls, which include mine as well, it's 225 minutes. Apple is silent on issue, and a big thanks to Timmy T, who replied, Are iPhone cellular calls set to on under FaceTime? To which Fred replied yes, and that he turned it off, and now all seems to be working correctly. So again, under the settings, iPhone cellular calls set to it set that off under FaceTime. The quarterly conference call was not the only news on the 21st. From Apple, there was also the release of iOS 9 Beta 4 for devs, also known as 9B4. Well, at least known that way around these parts. And this is just for the devs, not available yet for the consumer users that are doing the public beta. 9B4 has lots of bug fixes, but also some new features. First up, if you purchased a new iPod Touch 6th Gen, you can upgrade it to the 9B4, which is good news for devs as many do buy iPod Touches for doing testing of their apps. One of those bug fixes in the beta was fixing it where the volume button works for taking photos. That wasn't the case in B3. With the release of iOS 8.4, there was a feature that went away, home sharing. This is now back in 9B4, true to Eddie Q's word that it was coming back for iOS 9. The picture-in-picture feature for iPads now supports podcast app. Very cool. This is for video podcasts, so you can watch Happy Tree Friends while answering emails or Twittering. With Apple Pay, there's a new settings option in the settings app for the Apple Pay that allows you to turn on or off the feature where you double-click the Home button to access Apple Pay from the home screen. Bing web results can now be disabled in Spotlight search settings. There were also some smaller cosmetic changes, pretty minor, minor cosmetic changes. One that is mentioned often is the change of the notification icon, or notifications icon, from gray to red in the settings app. Ooh, exciting. I only was able to download the betas 
right before recording, so I didn't want to delay today's episode. I'll play around with the Beta 4 on my iPhone 4S and the iPad 3rd Gen at the next week. And if I notice anything interesting or I find anything new, I'll talk about it on episode 357. On the rumor front, we have a couple on the iPad side. With the iPad Mini 4th Gen, or 3.5 Gen, as last year's iPad Mini was so slight an upgrade, it's hard to call it a full-gen update. But anyway, the iPad Mini 4th Gen, as Apple would call it, is being rumored to be last of its line, meaning no more 7.9-inch iPad Minis after this next one. If you want to know the specs for the next iPad Mini, simply look at the specs for the iPad Air 2, Throw in Bluetooth 4.1 and Force Touch, and well, there you go. The other rumor has to do with the iPad Pro that it might launch in November. Way to go out on a limb, guys. They are also saying that because of the update to the iPad Mini and the launch of the iPad Pro, there will be no real update to the iPad Air 2. Maybe the bump will be just the Bluetooth 4.1 and Force Touch. My thoughts, not theirs, but that would probably be it. Per the iPad Pro, rumors are still consistent that it will have both a USB-C port and a Lightning port, as well as NFC and Force Touch, and Apple would introduce a new Apple-branded Bluetooth stylus, so that probably also means Bluetooth 4.1 for it as well. Basically, we are looking at minor, if any, update to the iPad Air 2. I think it's going to get the new processor as well major update to the iPad mini and the introduction of the iPad Pro in October, November timeframe with the current iPad Air 2 and iPad mini updates. Those would launch in the October timeframe and the iPad Pro launch would be in November, maybe possibly if it is not another month. The folks at iFixit got their hands on a new iPod Touch 6th gen and put up some iPod Touch porn on their site. One of the interesting finds is the A8 processor is being underclocked at just 1.1 gigahertz per core. Apple is doing that to save on battery life, which is important as the battery is just a 1043 milliamp battery, which is small by iPhone standards, but on par with the fifth gen iPod touch, which had a 1030 milliamp or 1030 milliamp battery. Still with less radios, there is less battery draw. Overall, they said the internals are very similar to the iPhone 6 sans the radios needed to make it a phone. But as I mentioned, the camera is not on par with the iPhone 6 and it's closer to the iPod Air camera. If you want to see more of the insides of the iPod Touch, there is a link in the show notes. Look for the iFixit link. Again, that'll get you some nice iPod Touch 6 Gen porn. Hi, Rob. My name is Nolan Crabb, and I'm a long-time listener to your program and a voiceover user, and uh, just want you to know how much I appreciate what you do and the resource uh, that you offer uh, in the in the community. It's it's an outstanding uh, experience to listen to every one of your shows, and I've, I've gotten good things from all of them. That said, with regard to your son and the dyslexia, you probably already know this, and you've probably already had about six thousand plus reminders or uh, information bits about this but one of the apps that i really think is is a treasure is something called voice dream reader winston chan is the developer and he's, he just does a magnificent job of providing the written word in such a way that someone with dyslexia can use it i'm although i'm a totally blind user of the app find it just a huge as i said a real treasure 
Additionally, the folks who make Read and Write Gold, which is a uh, Windows, uh, they have a Mac version too, a desktop uh, program. They also now have a iOS version of their program, which will, I suspect, be helpful to your son, if not immediately, then down the road as he as he grows older and uh, gets more involved in reading more complicated things and so, some of that sort of thing. So, again, Voice Dream Reader and Read and Write Gold couple of things that come to mind immediately should be good stuff. Also, it's possible as he gets into, uh, again, some of the older older grades that the Learning Ally people will have an app. They do already have an app, but they'll be he'll be able to download uh, perhaps his textbooks into his app, into the phone from the Learning Ally app. It's, it's a pretty good resource for, for textbooks that you want to have read out loud to you. Just a couple of suggestions. Thank you for all you do and uh, for making the show excellent every time you release one. I look forward to them. I'm grateful to my daughter, Tricia, for uh, turning me on to the program several years ago, so a shout-out to her because I know she still listens. Take care, Rob. Nolan, thanks for the feedback on Voice Dream Reader and Read and Write Gold. Next up, we've got a few emails here covering this topic. Hello, Rob. NTI Item 354, you made a request for a Candy Crush type app for your son with dyslexia. Well, I can't help there. I can very strongly recommend two audiobook apps for dyslexics or anyone with visual, physical, or print disabilities, which prevent them from reading traditional print materials. First is read the number two go, one word. So read to go, one word, from Benetech. It is an accessible ebook reader for reading share, book share titles. The Read to Go app will read books downloaded from Bookshare multimodality, allowing the user to see and hear words at the same time in a high quality text to speech voice. Bookshare is a nonprofit organization which opens up the world of reading for people with print disabilities, offering the world's largest collection of accessible titles. Anyone in the world with learning disabilities, low vision or blindness, or who is unable to read standard print because of physical disabilities may qualify to join Bookshare. Membership is provided free to U.S. students and schools. And for other individuals, Bookshare membership is $50 annually with a $25 setup. Discounted fees are available in some countries. Once a user provides proof of disability and completes the Bookshare enrollment, the Read2Go iOS app allows access to over 345,000 tiles, all included in the membership. There are no per book charges. The read to go app is $19.99. Second, Learning Ally is the name of both an app and a national nonprofit dedicated to helping blind, visually impaired, and dyslexic students succeed in education. Like Bookshare membership and proof of disability is required, but Learning Ally accepts Bookshare membership as proof of disability. The Learning Ally iOS app is similar to Bookshare in that it reads books multimodality. The text is highlighted as it is read by the voice. However, Learning Ally also offers human voice narrated books as well. There are over 75,000 books in their library, including many bestsellers and textbooks. The Learning Ally organization offers so much more than just the app, including one-on-one consultation to answer your questions, a community for emotional support, advice, webinars, and events to build your knowledge, and of course, the iOS app with human-narrated audiobooks to help adults or children read. Learning Ally membership is $119, but they do offer free waivers for those who qualify with application. 
More information for sign-up can be found at bookshare.org and learningally.org, A-L-L-Y. I am an educator, but I'm happy to admit to plagiarizing much of this email from their websites to help spread the word about these apps and organizations. My 11-year-old daughter has dyslexia, and I cannot recommend these two organizations and apps high enough. They have made a tremendous difference to my daughter, helping to turn her from a frustrated student into a voracious reader. We've learned that the access to information included in the books, magazines, and newspapers is what is really important, not whether it comes to a person through a printed text or audiobook. I'd love to hear other listeners' experiences and suggestions. Bookshare and Learning Ally are examples of iOS of using iOS to provide assistive technology that comes pretty close to perfect regards, Jeff Selhorst. Jeff, thanks for the feedback. Back to the email bag. Dear Rob, per your question to us who know of apps that will help your son who's dyslexic, I would like to recommend the Read Quick app. It's Read Quick, one word. Back when Read Quick was made, parents of dyslexic kids were saying it was something that really helped kids in school. Since it shows one word at a time, it lets them just focus on each piece and removes a lot of the garble that just adds complexity for them. Best regards, Cody K. Hi, Rob. I listened to last week's TII podcast and heard your request for a specific type of app to help your dyslexic son. I'm legally blind and subscribe to the podcast Assistive Technology Update with Wade Wingler. I listened to it to be aware of current accessibility technologies that may address my specific needs. They have a weekly feature called Apps Worth Mentioning by bridgingapps.org, who seem to have and evaluate apps that can be used to help various accessibility and cognitive needs. I don't know their product well, but you may find some apps that help add to the toolbox you are trying to create to support your son. You might also contact this.org for more specific information or direction to search. Good luck to you and your family in these efforts. Here's the link. Regards, Doug C. in Indianapolis. Hi, Rob. Somebody asked in an earlier episode about a Candy Crush saga-style game with letters and words instead of candy. I think you, too, were interested in something similar. Well, King has released a game that's just like that. It's called Alphabetty Saga. Regards, Aurelian Radu. Also had that app suggested from a few other listeners. Thanks for that suggestion. Again, that's Alphabetty, one word, Alphabetty Saga. Saga is the second word. So two words, Alphabetty and then Saga. Another app that I had suggested and I got promo codes from the developer for is called Dyslexia Quest. And my son has been playing with that one. That one's geared towards younger children with dyslexia. And he actually really likes that one, and it's nice. It's got different levels, and you try to work your way up, and uh, good app. So, again, that one is called Dyslexia Quest. It's definitely for children seven, eight, nine years or older, and, and, or nine years and younger. And I want to say a big thanks to everybody that sent in suggestions, links, feedback about this Dyslexia apps and help for my son. It really, really is greatly appreciated. 
Hey, Rob, it's Brent out here in Oklahoma City, and just a couple things for you about the Apple Watch. The first thing, I don't know if it's widely broadcast, but if you want to actually close out of an app um, completely in the Apple Watch, because a lot of the Apple Watch apps, they stay open kind of in the background and running. Since there's no app switcher, the way to close out of an app is to bring the app up, hold in on the friends button on the side until you get the power off screen let up on the button and then press and hold it down again and then it will close the power off screen and also completely close out of the app as well um, in the background so that's just a little trick or hint if uh, that's not widely publicized if it's not widely publicized i'm not sure if it is or not but i did you know find that information on the internet so thought some people might like to know that the second thing is i actually have the uh, apple watch black stainless with the black band and the first one i got actually was a little bit defective the vibration on it was very weak uh, the battery was draining really quickly and so i reached out to apple to do a replacement and i wanted to give everyone a heads up on this as well the first time when I talked to the Apple advisor or the manager um, in AppleCare, he said he was unable to do a quick replacement. He said he was unable to do that on any of the watches except the Apple Watch editions. And I was a little bit frustrated because he said that I would have to send it to like a repair place and, and they would have to determine if it could be repaired or or they would replace it. I said, that just doesn't make any sense to me because you would think that they could do a replacement or they would do a replacement on any of these watches. So he basically said, no, I can't do it. And then he got back in the system and all of a sudden it showed up that was allowing him to do that replacement. So he was able to send out a replacement overnight and um, and do it that way. So I uh, just want to let everyone know that if they call in and they try to tell them they can't do a replacement for any watches except the edition, um, to tell them that's not true, they can, and they need to exit the system and go back into it or something of that nature. So just want to let people know that. Appreciate you. Catch you later. Bye. Brent, thanks for the feedback. Thanks to all that sent in this next one, which was actually sent in from quite a few people. And this is per the Kickstarter project called Znaps, Z-N-A-P-S. And this is basically a MagSafe connector for your iPhone. Finally. When you have uh, two boys running around the house, MagSafe connectors have saved my laptop numerous times. The goal of this was $94,221. Uh, it's a conversion issue. And to date, they have raised a wee bit over half a million dollars. And they have until August 14th for additional funding. So congrats to them on this. Pricing on this is about $9 US. That gets you one Snaps connector and one Snaps adapter. What you do is plug the connector into your lightning port on your iOS device. And then the adapter to your lightning cable and the two connect magnetically to charge your iPhone. But wait, there's more. They also claim it will support data synchronization as well. So it's both for charging and syncing, and it's just $9. I mean, how can you not fund this, right? 
Actually, I did fund this, but at the $18 level for two connectors and two adapters. Hey, the wife would have been jealous if I didn't do it that way. They say this will ship in November. Not to me, it will not. I was about the 19,000th on the funders list. Expect delays on this one at this point. If I have it, mm, I don't know, before the end of the year, I'll be ha happy and shocked. Heck, uh, if I have it before March 1st, I will be happy. To find out more on this one, search for Znaps, Z-N-A-P-S, at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 356. If you did not fund the Pebble Time Kickstarter project earlier this spring and were waiting for more information on the Apple Watch and now decided you were going to go with the Pebble Time instead, well, good news for you. The Pebble Time is now on sale at the Best Buy stores. Well, not on sale as in discounted pricing, just available for sale in the Best Buy stores. With Target Store rollout now scheduled for August 17th, pricing at Best Buy is $200 minus a penny. And this is just the plastic version, not the steel version. They did say the steel version's coming to Best Buy and to Target, but they didn't say when, and they didn't even hint at it when. Hello, Rob. It's uh, Daniel from Wizbeach, Cambridgeshire again. I uh, just listened to myself on the podcast and actually made myself jump. Um, and also, um, I've noticed that my voice is horrendous. So possibly I'm giving Siri a hard time. Sorry, this is with reference to my... Uh, note that I made about Siri being broken in the UK. I um, think it may be my voice, uh, my dictation. I think it's just a bit, bit mangled, a bit mockney. So um, what I was thinking was, ah, so what I was thinking, sorry, I'm taking your glory. Your great advice, and I mean great, was to switch uh, the um, voice that Siri understands. It was selected to the UK. So just to let you know, I did have a sudden thought that I'd selected something crazy maybe like um swahili because i'm prone to do things like that i'm not really that great technically uh but luckily it was set for united kingdom so i switched it to australia because i lived in new zealand for a very very tiny amount of time and it seems like i've inherited almost a couple of tones uh, from that time so i chose australia <laughs> so i don't know why you said australia i probably should have chose new zealand but i tested it and here's my, um, here's my thinking from doing that. Instantly better, so great advice, therefore. However, still can't quite understand because I said to Siri, Siri, find us a coffee house nearby. And sure enough, it brought me up a load of coffee houses. So I said, what about Starbucks? Didn't have a clue. So, okay, fair enough. Find us a book to read, Siri, because I don't read books and I thought, maybe I need to start reading books. It went into the last call that I made on my phone. So for example, I said, Siri, find us a book to read. And it asked me for the name. And I said, well, I don't know what name, Siri. I said, I just want to read a book. And it brought up all of my last 25 call histories and then proceeded to repeat all 25 back to me until I cut it off at about 10. So yes, not quite there, Rob, but amazing advice uh, you know i expected nothing less you did not disappoint you are a genius you are my go-to person i'm like if there was a possible you know how you talk of android fanboys and apple fanboys i'm a rob fanboy can we start something can we start a movement i can maybe be the spearhead of it i promise i won't appear anywhere near your property i understand you know that there's probably an exclusion zone already been put in place but just to let you know you're a genius, thanks so much, and 
are still really keen to hear about anybody else that has these problems. Love the show, love the fact I've been on it now. It's like uh, a little dream come true. All right, have a nice day. Well, Daniel, you really cracked me up on the feedback. Thank you for the kind words. You had my wife laughing as well. And uh, if anyone out there has any other suggestions for improving, but uh, you know, if you haven't tried it yet, Daniel, try New Zealand. Try each of the different English languages. Try it for a day or two days or three days and see what your level of frustration is. Just switch from one to the other if you're not having luck. You know, if it's not 100% yet with um, English Australian, try the English New Zealand. And here is some more feedback, and this one goes. A Robin response to the guy from the UK having problem with Siri understanding him. I don't seem to have this problem. Yes, there is the odd time when Siri doesn't understand me, but lately these occasions are getting fewer and far between. I must say, I don't have as strong an English accent as he does, but I wonder if there are many other listeners with similar issues. But yeah, I agree with the advice you gave him about changing the versions of English and seeing if it makes a difference for him. Regards, Tosano. Hi, Rob. I just listened to the latest show, and this is in reference to the caller from the UK saying that Siri doesn't understand him. My phone is running on the most recent update. I believe it's 8.4. Anyway, after the update, I fired up Siri to see if she would understand me better, and I said, this is a test to see if you understand me better. And the text that showed up on the screen simply read, San Diego which completely perplexed me because it was such an arbitrary phrase. Very strange indeed. I'm using the iPhone 6, and I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Regards, George Smith. George, Tosin, thank you for your feedback. Hi, Rob. It would be nice if the Apple Watch had another button on the left. On Watchware Podcast, someone pointed out that the one regular button is only limited to contacts and Apple Pay. Why can't it be programmed? Reports say it's not getting used and people use Siri instead. Regards, Michael. Well, Michael, from what I've heard, even with Watch OS 2, that when people are able to do installable apps, they're still not going to be able to use that that second button or the Apple Pay button or the Friends slash Apple Pay button. Really, all I ever use it for is Apple Pay by double tapping it. But yes, I agree. It would be nice that... You could change it where it doesn't do friends on a single tap. It does something else. So hopefully someone's going to figure out a way to use that. Hopefully when the Watch OS 2 apps come out that are native, they will actually be able to swap out where it's not friends and it has some sort of feature like, oh, I don't know, start and stop on a stopwatch or things like that. Hey, Rob, this is Shauna with Indianapolis calling back again. This is an update to the situation where I had jailbroken and used a tweet called Untethered Hey Siri, where I can actually say Hey Siri while the phone is unplugged and it will work. Well, I had updated, I had unjailbroken and updated software and it's still on there. Now I'm using the uh, beta software And the tweak is still on there, even though my phone is not jailbroken. So, win-win. Have a good day. Shona, thanks for the feedback. I remember one time I did a tweak where it changed the carrier name. I changed it from AT&T to Wizard, which was a company, Libsyn, the company I work for, used to be called Wizard. And it stayed there from update to update to update. So some tweaks seem to stay with you and others go away. So usually it has to do with something where... It's a tweak that allows you to do some hidden feature that is available. So they're really just unlocking 
a functionality in the iOS device. And that's why it goes from device to device as you update and upgrade. Um, and again, this went from device to device as I would upgrade and do a, a whole new restore from update. That tweak would carry over. It was kind of cool. Staying with the jailbreak theme, thanks to Chris and London for this next one, which is for jailbreakers. Cydia is moving from a root level app to now run as a mobile or normal type app. How does this affect you, the jailbreak user? Well, now you will see some of your tweaks apply to the City app, whereas in the past, those tweaks did not affect the City app. As they say, quote, for example, if you have a tweak installed that improves how the keyboard works in all apps, it will now improve the keyboard in Cydia as well. They do warn that some tweaks might have issues with Cydia as the devs for those tweaks up until now did not have a chance to test them and debug them. And they say, if you have a tweak that causes Cydia to be unstable and unusable, you can fix it by booting your device with Cydia Substrate disabled. To do this, turn off your device and turn it on while pressing the volume up button until it finishes booting. Then open Cydia, uninstall the buggy tweak, and reboot again the normal way to get back to normal mode. Hey, Rob. I'm crying uncle. I'm trying to get my Amazon Echo to play your podcast, and I know it's on TuneIn Radio because I looked it up on my iPhone. I need to know the magic word to get it to do it. doesn't seem to want to cooperate. I've got it to do the Nerdist and uh, This Week in Tech and Blind Bargains and stuff, but it just can't get it to play your podcast, which I'd like to learn to um, listen to it on there because it's my new toy. Thanks. This is Larry Roach. Appreciate it. Love your show. Bye. Larry, thanks for the feedback, and sorry to hear the issue you're getting with the TI app not playing in the Amazon Echo uh, with regards to the TuneIn app. It should work. The only thing I can think is the TI app is mono, and maybe those others are, are stereo, and that the Echo doesn't like mono files. I, maybe. I don't know. I, this is the first time I've ever heard of any issue with the TI app podcast episodes not playing. I'd recommend you try it in Spotify, but Spotify hasn't updated their web apps yet, which I think this would qualify for if it, there is a Spotify app. Um, you might want to look in the Amazon App Store and see if you see the Today in iOS podcast app there, and if that works with the Echo, I don't know. But I really don't have much of a suggestion. I'm not gonna, I can't change the way the file is encoded because an Amazon product doesn't play it when all the iOS devices do. So I'm not going to change anything to um, upset the Apple cart with regards to iOS devices. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I updated my iPhone 6 Plus to iOS 8.4 when it was released to the public. And since the update, my touchscreen will intermittently be unresponsive so far. To fix it, I can just put it to sleep and wake it up, and it'll be fine for a little bit. But to try and resolve the issue, I have restored, reset, set up as new, erased it, just everything I can think of, but it still does it. I've researched it and found no real answer or solution until today when I found a few videos on YouTube showing either removing and cleaning the touchscreen controller or replacing it. There are several cases I've read that people have had the screen replaced just to have the problem show back up after a day or so. Even a few that had the unit replaced and had some uh, had the problem come back. I'd like 
just like to get the info out there so more can understand what's happening to their phones if they're seeing this. I'm sure Apple knows that it's a problem. It may not be affecting a huge number of units, but there are quite a few out there, and I feel as long as there are no signs of abuse, Apple just needs to make it right and not make us jump through hoops. Regards, Ronnie. Hi, Ronnie. Thanks for the feedback. First, I would say this. Do not, repeat, do not open up your unit and try to clean or adjust anything if you are having issues, folks. Take it to your Apple Store. All the iPhone 6 and 6 Pluses are still under the one-year contract, and they're covered by the Apple warranty. And opening the unit and trying to clean or fix something can and likely will avoid your warranty. See your local Apple Store if you are seeing this. And per the numbers seeing this, it doesn't look to be a very, very small percentage of people. But hey, even a very, very small percentage of a really, really large number is more than a few people. But again, don't try to fix this yourself. See your local Apple store or wherever it was that you purchased said unit. When it comes to defects issues with units under a year old, Apple is better than any other company about making good on banned units with the least amount of hassle. All companies will have a small percentage of units with issues. How Apple has traditionally dealt with those issues is what sets them apart from others. Hey Rob, this is Tremonti from California. My Apple Watch receives a text message from my iPhone 6 Plus when I believe it should not. The Wi-Fi radio, the Bluetooth radio, and the airdrop setting are all off on the iPhone 6 Plus. A message comes in over cellular to the iPhone, and then it passes that message to the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch indicates in the display that it is not connected with my iPhone. I have duplicated it on another pair of units. If I have my radios off, there should not be any communication going out. Rob, I love your show. Um, thanks for the chance to get this out. Hey, Rob, this is Tremonti from California again. Just wanted to add that the uh, the iOS versions on the 6 Plus and the 6, which were used, was 8.4 and 8.3. The Apple Watches had version 1.0.1. Thanks for the feedback and the heads up. And if anyone else has seen this or have seen this and solved it, give us a call or shoot us an email. Let us know what you did to solve that issue. Thanks again to lynda.com for their support of TII. And if you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you will get a free 10-day trial to their 3,300 plus video tutorials. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring the show and for the free offer. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else. An app or product review, good or bad, as long as it is iOS-related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature that you have created on an iOS device. Just slap some TII branding on it and send it on in. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. It's your show and your feedback and contributions are greatly desired and appreciated. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And finally, there is the TI app, which is free to you. Search for 
TII in the iTunes App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. It is fully voiceover friendly, of course. Please go right now and download the TI app. And did I mention it is free? And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. 